It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element, Element, Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. Anywhere across the country, if you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it is a pleasure to welcome to the show with me who is known uh, in his English name as Frank Miller. His traditional name is Deahande. And Deahande is here uh, to talk with us about a couple of things. And he is also an instructor at Six Nations Polytechnic on Six Nations. And uh, someone I've known for quite some time. And I just recently received a package in an email package from him. And this ties in with the ongoing situation at uh, in Caledonia at Mackenzie Meadows. And uh, Frank has taken upon himself to write uh, a, a history of Plank Road uh, going back to, uh, or the, as it is commonly known as 1492 Landback Lane. Uh, you will have heard about this in the news recently. Derehande has written this history right up to present day, going right back, as I said, uh, and uh, to to give an update and sort of a breakdown of the of the timeline of how things happened in this area and bringing us up to date, so that it's trying to give people a more uh, a better understanding of the situation and and of how uh, and if there was any real legal land transfer of the area. And uh, so I just want to say, Sego, and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, the, um, the, the purpose of that was because um, I thought uh, information package should go out. Um, you know, uh, many of our, our own people here at Six Nations um, don't have the time to get into research and um, only have you know, very, very sketchy uh, knowledge of the history. And so I thought it would be a good idea because um, this is such a hot item. I mean, we were in this situation back in 2005, 2006 with um, the uh, Douglas Creek Estates. Mm-hmm. And, and this is related in a sense because it's all down that Highway 6 mm-hmm. area. And even though that this little history here is just about this area, there's much, much more going on in the Haldeman, the Haldeman track, which mm-hmm. was originally granted um, uh, Sir Frederick Haldeman uh, to the Six Nations because of uh, Six Nations, the amount of land that was lost in New York State. As a matter of fact, almost the entire entirety of New York State is um, what was lost. And um, even though there was a very, very small compensation that um, uh, Tyndanega received, um, it didn't cover very much at all. I think it was in the range of a thousand dollars for mm. the entire <laughs> um, state of New York, mm. and so um, when we moved here to Six Nations, um, almost immediately within two years, 
the Simcoe patent then comes along and they immediately say that they want to uh, cut the um, grant in half because they say that they did not have the authority to grant what uh, was in the Haldeman deed. And so um, that was clear title in a sense uh, because this is a totally different situation than with any other um, native group, native tribe, native um, band in Canada in the sense that we are, in fact, allies to the crown. And that was the crown's gesture to say that, because that, um, that was prearranged, that if, in fact, we lost, then they would compensate us. And that was the compensation. So um, moving fast forward to what we have here at uh, Caledonia, like I said, we went through that uh, plank road business in 2006. And um, to cut right down to the chase, there is no legal surrender um, that's registered anywhere. And so this Meadows, which is basically across the road, <clears throat> is actually in Oneida Township. And a similar situation occurred there. And the records show that um, it was sold. They, even certain lawyers will, will, will tell you it was sold. And a matter of fact, there's a number of people at Six Nations who, in fact, think it was sold. And that's because they have not had the chance to see the documentation. And um, that was the same documentation that um, the judge would not hear in the case where um, they put the injunction through, they put the, the uh, permanent injunction through earlier this month. And so um, here we are. What actually happened there is um, this is just uh, towards the end of 18... Um, 1850 or so in that area where a squatter moves into that area. And it was that kind of thing was going on in the day. Squatters were simply moving in and they were settling. And from what I understand that at the um, accepted practice at the time is that the government, in fact, or the crown would issue a patent for the land. If the squatter remained there and did improvements on the property, over a period of 10 years so that they, after 10 years, they could apply for, uh, for a patent. And what happened in this case, um, is that the, um, the squatter was only there for five years when he turns around and sells it. And he sells it to a Nichols family. And that family had ties with a land registry. And so they got together with their friends and the end product of that is that the crown issues them, uh, the Nichols family, a patent for the land. And that's how it gets disposed. So um, that's the fact. And as far as I know, the government knows this as well. And there is no surrender for the land. The Six Nations 
Um, ne- never, never did surrender it. And there is no surrender. They have no surrender for it. And that's the same thing for the Douglas Creek estates. The uh, government does not have a valid surrender. And they know it. They've admitted it. And so that's the, that's the reality of the situation in there. So it would be interesting to know because you've just come to know about this because of the information sheet that I sent out. And it's, it's, as um, there's literally a lot of research that went into that. And I thought it would be good for people to understand because non-native people don't understand this either. They think we're <clears throat> just being, um, gosh, I don't really don't know what they think. Mm. Um, and being troublemakers, occupying land, and why aren't we happy? Mm. Well, we're not happy because um, the land is ours, and there has been no compensation. Um, when I first um, did the research, some of the research that I did, in fact, did say that it was sold. And so then I said, okay, then if it was sold, there would have been a deposit into the um, what's called the Indian Trust Funds. And there is no record of any deposit for any sale. So it's kind of conclusive in that way. And then the, the deeper um, I dug, um, the more I found out. And as a matter of fact, uh, Skylar Williams, who um, didn't get a chance to present any of this in court because he was considered to be um, um, <clears throat> in contempt of court is what they said. It's what the judge said. He was in contempt of court. Therefore, he wouldn't hear his, his argument. And so here we are um, uh, back in 95, the uh, elect council put in, um, actually sued the government for an accounting of all their monies, all our monies as, as, as six nations. And um, we know it to be in, uh, well into the trillions of dollars that the government manages or has been managing on our behalf. And we have seen since they've been managing that, that they've used the money for a number of different other things to develop Canada, basically. And so there's a trail of things that were uh, monies were were spent on. There was the navigation company, um, McGill University, um, <clears throat> the hospital um, in in Hamilton, and a whole bunch of other things. I can't think of all of them <laughs> right now, but it's just an idea. Uh, this is the accounting that we're looking for, and uh, they've not been forthcoming in putting that into court. It's been in. Um, it's been waiting to go to trial for um, since 95. Mm-hmm. And when the um, elect council uh, filed that, the government uh, retaliated by refusing to accept any more um, so-called land claims. And I beg to differ on that terminology because it's not a land claim. Um, the land is ours. In most cases, it was um, leased out, and those leases were never paid. And so, there's that's the that's the issue, is that these lands were not surrendered, and they were not sold, 
And even if they um, were sold, they weren't sold according to the Canadian law because it goes back to the Royal Proclamation. And the uh, Simcoe deed spells it out even more plainly, uh, simply by saying that um, the chiefs had to be there, all the chiefs had to be there. Um, the, um, um, the women had to be there. So basically, you're talking about the clan mothers. You're talking about the community had to be there. And it also had to be done in uh, open form. In other words, the entire community um, make it available to the complete community before a surrender could legally occur. That's according to Canadian law. And anybody can look that up. It's online. So all of the stuff that I found here, except for that little bit about the um, um, the meadows, is um, all available online. And so anybody can look up any of that once they get a ha- their hands on that, um, that document. Uh, I circulated it by uh, email and asked everybody that I send it to to share it with other people. And so that's what's going on right now. And that's the reason I did it. So if you have some questions, I'd welcome that so I can direct what, what else uh, uh, I know about it. Mm. Uh, and Yawa for that a very, uh, very in-depth explanation, uh, Dehande. And uh, I just want to let everyone know that you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in those coordinates as well as E-L-M-N-T-F-M. And then listen on your device of choice, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's a pleasure to have with me here on the show uh, Dehande. He's also known by his English name of Frank Miller. He's an instructor at Six Nations Polytechnic on Six Nations, and he has put together this uh, this uh, history uh, and information uh, package that he sent out to people to look at around the history uh, of the Haldeman deed. I guess going right back to the Haldeman deed and and the land. Uh, transfers and or those uh, items that are in the news, especially around what we're hearing now in the news is, of course, the Mackenzie Meadows site in around Caledonia. And uh, there has been, of course, uh, lots of confusion around uh, in, in the media around around why this is taking place. And uh, uh, Dehande referred to the 2006 situation at the Douglas Creek Estates, uh, where it's surprising that we are back in dealing with this because we already went went through this once with the, the Douglas Creek Estates, and uh, thought that perhaps this might have been dealt with. Uh, Frank, the other thing, of course, that uh, you make reference to in your in your paper is, of course, that uh, October 25th was, in fact, the um, the day of the anniversary uh, for the uh, 1784 signing of the Haldeman deed. That's correct. And uh, you also yeah. point out about the Simcoe patent of 1793, and you, and you you said off the top that they couldn't sell the land or they didn't have the right to do that. What what were you referring to as as that? Was that the the crown, or were you talking about the community? The uh, Royal Proclamation uh, spells out from uh, George III, I think it is, um, that if there's any sale of land, um, then it has to go back to the crown first. So they make themselves the exclusive uh, way that the land is disposed of. Um, 
So it sold to the crown, and then the crown either puts it into trust fund, but that, again, is spelled out as to how that occurs. And so um, none of these um, uh, leased lands have ever been sold to the crown, and it's the same thing for the, the Plank Road, the what you call the Douglas Creek Estate, and, of course, the Meadows. Um, and actually is in Oneida Township. Mm. And um, the number of people that I've spoken to since uh, I put this package out <clears throat> have all verified that um, that's the same history that they know. When you look through the history, and and, and now if we're putting all of this timeline together and spelling these things out, uh, when you were doing your research, were you surprised at some of the information that you were seeing that – it seems somewhat ambiguous in terms of you know just the way it is written and and uh, spelled out in these in these things um yeah um it's really um very it's a lot a lot of things to look at mm. um a lot of transactions to look at and you know i could make a a statement i'm just making a statement on my own mm-hmm. what it looks like to me i'm not a lawyer and I'm not really a professional research person. It's just curiosity. I had this curiosity because I didn't know for sure myself. And so if I'm an educator and I'm sharing information, I want to share the information that's accurate. And then at the same time, I've seen a number of people on um, Facebook and on Twitter and things like that, people with interests in that land um, and politicians, they're putting out news broadcasts, um, both in print and on video, and the their constituents have no knowledge, so they basically take that as the truth. And the truth is that they have a hidden agenda. And the hidden agenda is, of course, that they're invested in there. Mm. They're invested in the property. Uh, They've put down payments on homes there. And so that's the kind of thing, you know, like at first you say, you know, that's really terrible that uh, somebody, you know, I forget, something like like 200 people or so uh, have invested in there and have put a down payment on a home there and now they can't build well initially yeah you feel bad about that but then you say okay well what's the truth here <clears throat> why why have a bunch of our own people gone there and occupied the land um without um shall we say a legitimate reason mm. and the legitimate reason is this because if we allow um, development to go on on unceded land, unsold land, um, when is this going to stop? I mean, mm. it's we're going to wait another two to four years even before this accounting mm. that's, that's gone to the, to the government before they actually put it in court. Mm. So we can't wait that long because they're developing now. Mm. And it's likely that they're going to try and develop on other lands 
as well. And there needs to be a moratorium on all of those lands that are in that situation where there is no sale. And to me, it's just plain illegal. It's just not morally or politically correct. That's my view on it. And what you're referring to in terms of this, in terms of what we're seeing in Mackenzie Meadows, uh, uh, relates to the 2006, the Douglas Creek Estates. These uh, cases were not resolved. These things going on with the government, as you point out, they don't even get to court until 2022. and been waiting since the 1990s for that to come to fruition. Uh, and going back to the Douglas Creek Estates, recently we had someone on our show, uh, Michael Coyle. You refer to Michael Coyle in your article and in your, your, your right. uh, you know, as a fact finder. And, and he, yes. we had him on the show to talk about that. And we asked him, you know, from what he was brought in to do, um, had as a fact finder, had any of the recommendations or anything uh, move forward that he's aware of from, from his findings. And, uh, and he was saying, to his knowledge, he, he was not aware of anything that had moved forward from that. Yes, um, that's the frustration, really. I mean, um, the Douglas Creek Estates, of course, was um, bought out the developer. And the, the estates went back into the provincial coffers. So... That has not been resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what it's going to take, really. Um, and I understand the frustration that's going on at the site. I mean, it's just so sad that the government sort of endorses the courts. The courts then put pressure on the OPP to go down there and basically be the goon squad <laughs> that mm-hmm. uh, inherits uh, the responsibility to evict those people off our own land. Mm. And so um, so then the development can continue mm. and it makes it that much more difficult in, you know, like in two years' time to say, um, what do we do with the land then Mm. we can't do anything because it's already developed. You can't Mm. just walk in here and say, okay, everybody get out. You know, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. not, that's not, um, it's not in the, not in my vocabulary. And I don't think it's in anyone's vocabulary. Uh, Basically what we want is we want justice. You see six nations. um, When, when we initially started, leasing the lands it was for a specific purpose and joseph brant's idea was well we can't possibly um, prevent all this influx of people because the government was not doing anything about it they just allowed it to happen as a matter of fact i've run across a number of documents that suggest that that they were actually encouraged (laughs) to to settle land and claim the land basically as a squatter. Mm. And so that was going on for a very long time. And that's when um, Joseph Brandt decided to lease the land. At least we would have some income Mm. to support our own community. Mm. And the fact is, if we did have that income, um, we we have a housing shortage here Mm. for at least 30 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, a severe 
uh, housing shortage. We still don't have good drinking water here. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I don't know how many people, I'm guessing close to 80% of the people here at Six Nations bring in their own water. They have to. I mean, I tried for years to to run different filter systems at my place, um, and nothing nothing would work. So it was just a waste of time until I finally had to put a tank in myself, and I buy water just like 80% of the other people. Mm. And the 20% that are getting um, drinkable water, is, they're lucky, you know. So. Right. That's really a sad state when you mm-hmm. say we don't have the capacity to build. We have very limited funds. Um, you know, there's that Douglas Creek Estates, that whole thing has, you know, all the sewers are all hooked up, all the wiring is all done. There's there's even streets and, and, mm. and curbs and stuff mm. added, and it would be a simple thing to go in there and say, well, that's our land. Let's develop it, but right. we don't have that capacity. Mm. All the topsoil has been removed from it, so we can't even plant anything there. It's it's not fertile. It's not good. It's not good to to plant there. We'd have to bring in mm. all the topsoil that they took off. Mm. So it's unsolved. Right. And what do we need to do to get um, a fair a fair shake? Mm. I mean, <clears throat> you know, like. It's just, it's ridiculous because uh, it's as ridiculous as a a little thing that I saw on Facebook the other day. This guy jumped into somebody's car and a police officer comes out and says, get out of the car. And he says, no, he says, I discovered this. (laughs) And he says, I'm sorry, I have to go. (laughs) You know, um, that's about the the size of it. Um, It's, we have the proof. Mm. We have the proof. That it is, in fact, our land. So it's not a land claim. <laughs> We're just saying, okay, if you want to use it, it was originally designed to be leased. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the lease. Right. And make compensation for the loss of use for the number of years we had not been able to use it or have any income to develop our own, yeah. um, right. you know, infrastructure. Uh, Dehande, so, one of the one of the one of the things that I I saw was the reference to the crown and and the crown's involvement still with the land, even though it had been, uh, you know, from the Haldeman deed been given to the people of the Six Nations. And I was wondering why why, why is the crown still involved? Can you explain that at all? The um, the crown has has changed uh, positions basically, in the sense that now um, since nineteen eighty. 82, when Canada puts its own constitution together, mm. those fiduciary responsibilities from the Crown reverted to the Canadian government. Mm. And they're still calling it the Crown, but it's not the same structure. So, like, we don't have a resource to go back to to say, um, you know, this agreement was originally with Britain. And we can't go to Britain because, like, basically the monarchy. Um, it's just a figurehead now. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't exist in any legal terms as far as management of, of lands in other places like here in Australia and New Zealand and stuff like that. So um, that responsibility has gone um, to the Canadian government 
And so it's the Canadian government that's still basically operating under the, um, under the heading of, you know, discovery. So that hasn't changed. Mm. Well, we're just about out of time. I'm just wondering if there's anything else you feel is important to mention or you want to share just before we finish up. Well, you know, um, we have been waiting here uh, patiently to speak with somebody from the government, whether it's two people that um, uh, are responsible and um, there's no progress there. So we have an internal problem here because we've got two forms of um, government uh, operating here. One is uh, traditional, uh, the Chiefs Council, they call themselves, the HCCC, Mm. and the Band Council, which is um, an elect system. It's a federal arm of the government. And so those two um, bodies... Um, don't, um, they don't represent all the people. As a matter of fact, there's close to 85% of the population here who are not represented. And according to our way of uh, governance, our traditional way of governance, it says that it's the people who make the decisions and the leadership are the ones to carry out those responsibilities of the people. So if the people here at Six Nations are saying, this is our land, we want it back, we want <clears throat> we want use of the land, or whatever they want, it really doesn't matter. The fact is, legally, even according to Canadian law, it's still our land. And so why is everybody else profiting, profiting off of our mm-hmm. land resource, right. and we're not getting anything at all, absolutely right. nothing? Right. And that's the point that's really important to hear. You know, you you brought up uh, another good point there, of course, and that is uh, something else that people talk about, and that is the governance on Six Nations, and and you just referenced the the Haudenosaunee Confederacy as well as the elected council. Now, I remember reading something, and maybe you can tell me if this is accurate. I know you've got it in your your, your sort of timeline here, but I remember in the the, the summer months that it was referenced that the elected council had either received money and or – other lands in in regard to Mackenzie Meadows, uh, and that they were supporting this. Now, is, is that your understanding accurate from the elected council? Yes, I um, I looked up the minutes of the meeting, and they did accept that. And the uh, from what I understand, they sent out a circular. Um, but the people that I've spoken to here at Six Nations didn't get it. I did. I certainly didn't get it. Mm. And they were saying what they were going to do. They guaranteed to the developer, uh, Foxgate, that no one would interfere there. Mm. Because as far as I can, um, I'm just assuming, I'm assuming that the elect council believes it was sold. So I don't know what research they were relying on because that's not, it's not the research that I found. That's for sure. Mm. And I have also asked a number, as a matter of fact, a number of uh, very knowledgeable people, um, and even a, a former, a former elect council chief. And he verified the facts that I had found. And he said, yeah, he says, no, those lands were never sold. So, um, I don't know why 
they did that. They have retracted, they have retracted, the elect council have retracted some of the injunctions they had placed against their people. And I'm just guessing that that's why they've uh, retracted those injunctions. It's so that the uh, traditional or our, our chief's council uh, will talk to them again. <laughs> mm. And so that's what we're waiting to see how they're going to handle that. And at the same time, the people, as far as I'm concerned, have the majority of the voice. And um, we want the leadership to be doing what we want them to do. Mm. And so if the leadership isn't doing what we want them to do, then it's up to the people to take it into their own hands. And in fact, we're the majority because we have number both of those councils put together the the money that the elected council received would they have considered that uh as as part of the sale is that what they're thinking i um i don't remember the exact wording they said Mm. they accepted the money because Mm. it was offered Mm. and they thought they would get something rather than have nothing Mm. um and those were the words that i heard so um, and they also got 10 acres of unusable land. Mm. Um, and from what I understand, they still have that. They haven't spent it. So mm. I don't know what they intend on doing it. I mm. just hope that that doesn't complicate things when it comes time to um, speak with the government about it. Right. And because the, it could be construed as a, as a sale, yeah. Right. And, and the Haudenosaunee Confederacy Council um, they are, of course, in support of the the original agreements that the land has not been sold, and they're supporting that side mm-hmm. of things. That's correct. They have that right, um, and that's to their credit because <laughs> that's the only representation that we have so far that's, that says, hey, wait a minute, you, know, you can't be uh, using our land because um, it's not sold. Mm. Uh, okay, Dehande, any, anything else you, you want to mention just before we finish? Oh, I think we sort of uh, touched the top of the peaks there. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, are you concerned about anything else rolling forward out of the, uh, the present situation? I understand the, the injunctions have been uh, extended now indefinitely and permanently. Um, yeah. Yeah, what we need to do is somehow... And it is possible with um, with the cooperation of the government. And that's put a moratorium on all lands that are under mm. um, under claim. Mm. Um, and I, I, like I said, I don't like to use the word claim. Mm. Um, it's but it's their their terminology. It's not a claim. It's mm. a it's a fact. Mm. So um, all of those lands that we've said, hey, you know, we've got documentation here that proves it's our land. Um, no development on there until this is all settled. Mm-hmm. And at least that way people could go home, you know, that way we could fix, fix the roads and, right. put, you know, put the railroad track back together and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and until that happens, um, we're stuck with the situation and we can't move. Right. We're, we're stuck. Yes. So I just want to say Anyawa for joining me on the show and, and sharing this information with us. I um, totally enjoyed um, speaking about it because that this this has to this news has to go out to everybody, you know. Mm. Um, it's just so um, it's so unjust. Mm. So, thank you very much for um, having me on your show. Our pleasure.
That's Dehande or Frank Miller, and he is an instructor at Six Nations Polytech on Six Nations. He put together a history document on the, the area that is now in the news in uh, Mackenzie Meadows in, in Caledonia and uh, gave us the great timeline uh, according to the information he has found and the history and the documents that he says is out there for everybody to look and find and can access. It's been a pleasure having him on the show today. And it's always a pleasure to have you listen to the show each and every day. Don't go away. We're going to be right back with more here on Moment of Truth.